The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Call an ambulance. Call an ambulance. But not for me or for you because you're listening to the Twisty Pod. How horrible was it? Just... Wait, you've got to be kidding me. Let's get this untwisted. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Twisty Pod. I'm so honored that you chose to listen to this episode today. And you know what? This is a little bit monumental for me as well. I'm doing something out of my comfort zone, and it's going to sound like the actual dumbest thing you've ever heard, but just don't hold your breath. I'm standing while recording this episode. And, you know, it it sounds even stupider admitting it out loud. But here's the thing. I edit all day long at my desk. When I worked at my previous job, I had a standing desk that probably I didn't use as much as I should. I had a goal to myself that I would try and use it after lunch pretty much every single day, but I had to wear heels. So I would be standing in my heels at my standing desk and it was better, you know, than just sitting in a chair all day long, but I kind of missed that. I wish I had a little bit of a mechanical desk at my home office, but they're kind of expensive. And if you don't have one that is mechanical, then it's just this big hunk of junk. And sometimes it's just this metally plastic thing. So I digress. Here I am standing at my dresser. I'm just about the right height for this setup. So this is the only counter space I could find that would actually work. So we'll see, you know, what my stamina is like. How am I going to do as a standing podcaster? Is this the future of podcasting? Standing up? Like, talk about two birds, one stone. I'm in a little bit of a better mood. And you know what? I think I'm really trying to do more things for my mental health lately. And not just for my mental health, but really just trying to increase a lot of activity in my day to day. Obviously, you all know, I'm assuming by now that I had created the Step Into 21 Challenge at the top of January 2021 as a way to just encourage you to move more in your everyday life. And sure, I was doing that myself. I was trying to get more workouts in. I was trying to be more conscious about taking the stairs, for example. But something that I was not doing a good job of and something I've learned that I haven't done a good job of for quite some time, and by some time, I mean most of my life, is I have never done a great job of doing more than my workout. For literal years, and pretty much up until this last week or so, I've been the kind of person that will go all out in the gym for one hour at a time, and then the whole rest of the day, I sit at my desk. I edit, I eat, I go to the couch, I go to sleep. There's not much other activity, there's not much other movement in my day-to-day routine, and I'm realizing how horrible that actually is for you in the long term as far as getting other activity in in your day and how beneficial that movement, that activity can be for your overall health, for your long-term progress. And even just for me, it gives me a lot of maybe that feeling of 
endorphins or something of sorts. I don't know. It just kind of provides a lot of serotonin for me knowing that I'm doing extra things in my day to get more movement in and not just doing one 30-minute workout, calling it good. For me, I have been trying to do that most predominantly in the form of walking. I've been getting up at the actual crack of dawn. Like the crack hasn't even been proclaimed yet. It Like she hasn't even shown herself. It's Taylor before the crack. So I've been up pretty freaking early. I'm trying to get some walks in, even if that's just 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. And then I'm trying to stand more often, whether that's looking in the refrigerator or recording a podcast. And I really am kind of on this confident mantra that doing these things will be extraordinarily beneficial in the long run. And actually, it's not even just a little mantra of my own. This is a known thing. I believe, and I'll have more information on this once I am certified, but I believe this kind of strategy is categorized as NEAT or non-exercise activity thermogenesis, thermogenics, something like that in regards to your total daily energy expenditure, which sounds like a whole bunch of big words that I just blurted out, probably wrong. Again, not certified. But I've done a lot of research in my years of being on my fitness journey, and I try my best to try and understand things from a scientific perspective because I think it's fascinating. But to put that into layman's terms in a way that I think is correct, and again, don't know what I'm talking about for the most part, There's multiple things that go into how our body burns calories throughout the day. There's a type that just means you're pretty much doing nothing. Your body at rest burns X amount of calories. Then there's the other things that you might do, like such as a designated workout, you know, going to the gym, lifting weights, running on the treadmill. There's also another category that's referred to as NEAT, which basically means all the other things that you do in your day-to-day life that add up to how your body burns calories. Again, there's a lot that goes into this, but that little NEAT component is actually pretty darn important and makes up a fairly significant chunk of the amount of calories your body burns in a day. And those little activities are the simple things. It's vacuuming even. It's taking the stairs. It's moving about your day. It's walking. It's doing house chores. It's running errands. Like Things like that are all of the things that you wouldn't categorize as working out, but are actually extraordinarily important in your overall health and fitness journey. So, I mean, that was kind of like in the back burner of my mind as I was thinking about step into 21 and more so something that I've known for a long time is important, but kind of thinking about it from that scientific perspective, do I need to say it again? I'm not certified, Uh, (laughs) is actually really important. And I think for me, at least helps paint a bigger picture and understanding how my body works. Because if I can understand the science behind why my body would want to burn calories a certain way or how my activity affects my overall health, my journey, my mental health, my physical health, my well-being, then I'm kind of motivated a little bit more to be, you know, active and not just in a traditional sense of going out for a jog, but even just trying to stand while recording a very, very twisty pod. My only thing right now is that I'm a little bit concerned that I don't want this to be a temporary thing. I'm really trying to work on making 
this extra movement in my day a habit because the reality is, is I'm excited about it right now. I'm waking up early so I can go on a walk. I'm making extra time in my day so I'm able to have a little bit more movement or I'm trying to be very conscious about it and choosing to stand right now or I'm, you know, maybe choosing to vacuum and like getting an extra step in or two while I'm vacuuming. Because I'm thinking consciously, okay, how can I get more neat in my day? How can I consciously be moving a bit more than usual? But it takes a bit of time to build those ideas into habits and then to turn those habits into something that you're doing subconsciously. So what I'm trying to focus on in this moment is really trying to be consistent, trying to get myself out of bed in the morning a little bit earlier, not sleeping until way past the crack of dawn, like into the afternoon, because I would stay up so late. I'm trying to just be very cognizant of sticking with these things that I'm speaking about now. So it's not just something that I'm so hot and cold about, because I think that's where I've made mistakes in my journey previously, is I get very excited about something. I do it for two weeks, and then I sort of forget. And then it sort of isn't a priority anymore. But if I'm consistent with it, then maybe I'll see some really good progress because it's going to become just a more active lifestyle, living a more healthy lifestyle. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm currently trying to eat some cereal as we speak. I know I've worked with schoolyard snacks a few times, but gosh, I just love their products. I, I love their cereal so stinking much. Their sour cream and onion snacks, like their little, um, what are they called? Cheese puffs, I think. So stinking good. I wish I had some right now, but I have a few questions I want to go through today, aka I just asked this question on my Instagram because I procrastinated and I've been telling myself for days to not do it, but that's just one habit I'm not sure I'm ever going to break. Is procrastination a habit? I was listening to a podcast the other day on why we procrastinate and I shit you not, I procrastinated listening to the whole thing. The podcast is half listened to on my Spotify. Absolutely ridiculous. Also, I just learned that Spotify now has notifications for podcasts. So if you're ever having a hard time keeping up with podcasts, you can turn on the notifications for this podcast. I believe you just go up to the following tab. Always make sure to follow the podcast. It's so much easier, not even just for me and my ratings and whatnot, but keeping track of any podcast that you listen to by following it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever, is so, so much easier for just keeping track of everything. So you can turn on the notifications for the Twisty Podcast, and then you will not procrastinate listening to this. All right. Burn Nicole asks, besides YouTube, what is your favorite job that you've ever had? My favorite job I've ever had, two. So my first job ever was working at a cupcake stand at the county fair. And it was actually so much fun. It was one of those things that was kind of a, a fluke hiring. I, I basically walked up to the stand, handed them my resume. She told me I'd be working the next day. It was pretty dang awesome. And it was so much fun because I would quite literally ice cupcakes. I would get to eat leftovers for the day or I'd get to take some home. People would come and 
buy the craziest, craziest cupcakes. Some of the most popular things on the menu were, I think they were puppuccinos or just whipped cream for the puppies. So you'd get to see all of these cute puppies come up and get their little puppuccinos. It was so stinking precious. We also sold like good lemonade, like darn good lemonade. And I learned so much about baking. Ironically, I had to do like a lot of the back end process, but also just customer service in general, I think is an incredible job to have. I think everybody should work in customer service of some sort. Working in the service industry gives you so much insight, I guess you could say, into how sometimes people are treated, be that negatively or positively. It can give you a lot more respect for service workers when you are a customer yourself. I've worked in service actually a lot now that I'm thinking about it. My other favorite job was as an assistant to a wedding planner, which was for a while my dream career. I thought I was going to be a wedding planner. I thought I was going to have my own wedding company. I thought it was going to be the thing that was going to be, you know, my go-to for the rest of my life. I still kind of have that passion in the back of my mind, but I kind of recognized that it felt very cyclical to me and I loved the fun idea behind it, like the creative aspects. But my position when I was working was a lot more labor intensive than I think I anticipated because I feel like you'll see in movies the really glamorous aspects of the wedding industry, which is like the beautiful flowers, the tapestries, the way it comes together, like the final day, the wedding, you know, it just looks so beautiful. But there's a lot of hard work, a lot of months and stress that goes into it, a lot of back and forth. And it just felt like a little bit out of my wheelhouse, if I was being honest. And I think at the end of the day, when I was talking to my boss, the owner of the company, she loved it and she thought it was amazing, but she kind of felt limited in some ways that she wanted to continue to grow her business maybe beyond weddings because she kind of got tired of doing, I guess, the exact same routine thing over and over again. And I think that was enough to kind of scare me off. I don't like doing the same thing. I need a little bit of change. And I was also just a little bit petrified that nobody would hire me. Nobody would book me. And that would be horrifying because your whole business, your whole income your well-being is based on getting clients. And I was just too nervous to put myself in that position. This question is from Marie. She says, have you ever considered to work in the fitness or health industry? By the way, I love you. I love you more, Marie. I have and I haven't. It's kind of funny. I mean, I never expected to be in this sort of weird position that I'm in where I'm not really a health and fitness person, but I kind of am at the exact same time. I've always thought about it in the back of my mind because it's something throughout the years has always been a constant for me. I've always loved health and fitness. I've always had a passion for working out. It's always been something that's been very important to me. So I kind of knew deep down that maybe somehow I'd end up incorporating that passion into something I'd like to do full time, but I never imagined it in this capacity or on such a public scale for crying out loud. But I've never seen myself as a personal trainer. I still don't ever see myself as that. I've talked a lot about the possibility or the actuality of getting my certification in personal training or nutrition. But quite honestly, like hand on my heart, that would be for educational purposes for me as a content creator or just for me out of pure interest. I don't think I would ever open my practice. I don't think I would ever take on clients or anything like that. I just feel like that is certainly out of my wheelhouse. But then again, you know, if something ends up happening with YouTube and 
you know, nobody watches my videos anymore. You know, you just get tired of me. That would also be a really good fallback plan to pursue something like my certification in practice. This is a great question from Justina. She says, what exercise makes you feel empowered? So just the other day, I was at my group fitness class and we were doing Turkish get-ups. And it was a move I had never honestly heard of before I joined this gym, but they do it a lot and it's such a badass move that it makes you feel so cool. And when I tell you my whole entire body is so sore, like the most sore I've ever been two, three days later, oh my goodness. So if you've never heard of the move before, it's kind of a full body movement not kind of. It absolutely is a full body movement. We use kettlebells for our weights, but you pick a kettlebell of your choice. And basically you have your arm pinned to your ear the entire time. So your arm is constantly held up above your head with your kettlebell in your hand. You step back with your opposite foot. So if your kettlebell is in your left hand, you step back with your right foot So if you're kneeling on the ground, the foot that is touching the floor, the knee that is on the ground, the leg behind it goes behind your left leg. Then you basically have to kind of flip your whole body over where you're doing a reverse plank. So you take that leg that is currently behind your left leg. I hope people are following at this point. Your right leg is behind your left leg. You flip it out in front of you. So now you're in a reverse plank. Arm still above you, still holding tight to your ear. So you're you're doing this like crazy, like a starfish sort of thing. And then you have to essentially lower yourself onto the ground. So you're pretty much on your back, but your arm the entire time is still facing the ceiling. It never once goes down to the floor. So you're having to think about every single part of this movement so much because it's so full body intensive. And then once you're laying on the ground, you have to do the exact same thing in reverse. And it's so challenging. I think mainly, like I mentioned, because of that mental aspect, but it makes me feel so darn cool when I'm doing it, if I'm doing it right And you have to be very thorough and methodical with it, very slow and intentional with every single movement, because of course you don't want to hurt yourself, but also that's how you're going to get the most effectiveness out of the move by going so slow and just, ah, like it's so cool. And I think to answer Justina's question, I feel super empowered when I do that move because it makes me feel like I'm on top of the world, honestly, which is kind of cheesy to say, but it's really true. I'm going to post a video of a Turkish getup on the Twisty Pod Instagram at Twisty Pod if you're not already following it, because I think that explanation is so horrid. I don't even know how you would follow if you didn't know what I was talking about. But bottom line, super cool full body movement. And if you've never tried it, highly encourage looking it up, seeing the video that I'm going to post on Instagram, and then just experimenting maybe without a weight at first and then going into it because it's kind of addicting. Like I think about the move days and days after I've already done it. And then I secretly hope that it's programmed for my next group fitness class. But at the same time, I'm like, oh gosh, dang it. I don't want it to be programmed because it's so hard. It's one of those moves that trips you up because it's good, but it'll get you. Okay. Cora asks, have you ever thought about getting your hair brunette style? Yes. I've thought about being a brunette ever since I was little. And ever since then, I've always kind of been curious because I kind of have darker eyebrows. I really didn't realize this until 
I recently dyed my hair lighter, but I didn't realize my hair had so many red tones to it. So maybe that kind of more like strawberry brunette could be a good path for me. I'm not really sure. But for now, I'm kind of still on my aspiring silver fox move. I have an appointment in the next few weeks, I think, for an even lighter color, which I'm nervous about. But I think I've seen people who have had my natural color try and go brunette and they did it and didn't like it. And I kind of concur. So it's neat seeing people who have similar features to you that kind of are the guinea pig before you try it because I'm not really sure if I would end up liking it. I kind of think that I should just own my natural hair at the end of the day, but I'm also sort of in this point in my life where I don't want to just continually wish that I dyed my hair. I just want to try it. So that's where I am with the silver path. But brunette, I would I don't think I'd ever absolutely say no to. I don't want to say no to anything, you know? Okay, also a good question from Cora. She says, do you edit all of your videos yourself? Could you do a run through to explain it to us? Absolutely. So yes, I do edit all my videos myself. I would say most creators probably edit their own content themselves unless they just have maybe not enough time or they have a lot going on. I think the cool part about editing is that so much of the creative and fun part of the video comes alive in the editing process because sometimes I'm not going to lie like my raw footage is crap it's so bad and sometimes I'm sitting there in front of the computer like how am I going to make this so much better because right now I wouldn't watch this like this is boring but you know when you add in fun sounds you do better transitions you make it quick or you do jump cuts like I know that's kind of a stereotypical youtuber thing but I love jump cuts I don't really care when you're editing and when you're adding like my own personal flair, that's where my personality comes out. Or even if I have to throw in like an editing clip because I said something wrong or I wanted to add in something funny, that's super fun. So as far as the editing process goes, I usually sit down minimum two days ahead of the time that a video is going to be uploaded, which is not that far in advance. Probably should be better about that. But time management is a skill that is entirely for a different podcast topic. So let's say I'm going to upload a video on Friday. I will sit down with all my raw footage on Wednesday. And I basically just go from beginning to end, sorting out all of the ums, the uhs. Sometimes I talk really fast. You probably realize that on the podcast. So I quite literally stumble over my words. Like my brain is talking and my mouth quite literally cannot catch up at the same time. So something that comes out is inaudible. It just doesn't make any sense. So I'll have to say it like, one or two times. So I have to just take out, you know, those little errors and whatnot. And usually I have about an hour and a half of raw footage and it will take me like three hours to shift through just making it. So what I actually want in the video is there. Then the next day is kind of where I go in and I'll do the more fun editing. The day one is kind of the worst part of the editing process, in my opinion, because it's so stinking boring. And it can be so monotonous and it's not fun. And that's the process where I sit there going, gosh, I want an editor. That would be so much better if I didn't have to sit here and go through this boring footage. But I just don't know if I could get rid of that personalized aspect, at least not yet. I mean, and I'm such a small creator. I genuinely love having, you know, my hands on my work. I think that's really empowering and really cool. So I don't see myself wanting to give that up anytime soon. But yeah, day two of editing is a little bit more fun where you're just adding in maybe it's textiles, titling text. What am I saying? 
I fix the lighting a lot because if you watch some of my old videos, they're dark and dim and yellow and just not good lighting in any way, shape or form. So I usually just have to increase the exposure a little bit. I'll maybe add up a bit of saturation, but very, very light and minimal. I'm absolutely no expert. And it's very clear if you watch my videos that I'm not an expert. I'll add in fun songs to the background. Like, you know, I love to use classical music in my videos. I think it's kind of hilarious. And I think it adds like a spunky little twist to the video that makes it a lot more funny, I guess, because I'm not that funny of a person on my own, but you can edit something to make it a lot more fun, a lot more interesting. And that's what's cool about editing. Like you could turn something that's boring into something that's really fun if you're good at editing. And I'm no expert by any means, but I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to learn new things. And to be honest, at the end of the day, I don't think there's anything wrong with a very basically edited video. And I get very intimidated when I see really cool, really big creators do super fun graphics and, you know, things that are just very professional looking. And I get insecure that I don't have something like that. But at the end of the day, you know, it's more about the story that you're telling, the content that you're sharing, the message that you're sharing. Okay. Fabulous question from Maddie. Motivation to find time to work out during school or college. This is pretty challenging, but I genuinely think that having a actual routine or schedule, a planner of sorts is going to be your best friend. I know that's not the option for everybody because some people just aren't type A, like they don't like planning things out. But when I was in college or even just working full-time in an office, I needed structure or I wasn't going to commit to something. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. My other biggest advice is to try, if at all possible, to get your workout done as early in the day as possible. And some people love working out at night. I also love working out at night, especially when I was in college. It felt like kind of a good break in between studying or homework or something if I went to the gym at literally like 10 p.m. and there's not that many people there. But I sort of think at the exact same time, while that is fun and it's a good way to get your workout in, there's never a bad time. But getting it in at the first half of your day One is going to probably put you in a better mood for the rest of the day. Two, you're going to have more energy and more interest. Well, not exactly more interest, more energy to get your workout in because if you push it off until 10 p.m., chances are that's when the excuses start to roll in, or at least that's how it was for me. I would say I've had the longest day. I have so much homework. I don't have time for the gym anymore. There's not enough time in my schedule. I can't go to the gym for 30 minutes and come back and shower and eat. And then all of a sudden it's midnight, you know, like it all of a sudden becomes this two hour process. But if you sculpt out time for that in the morning, then you actually are giving yourself enough time to get all of those things done. Maybe you just have a little bit more energy at the top of the day when things are just getting started to just do it get it done, forget it even happened, and not have to worry about it for another 24 hours. So 
do what works for you. That was something that really, really helped me. I've talked on this podcast before about how when I was really diving deep into my routine, I made myself get up at five or six o'clock in the morning every single day. And yes, while that was awesome for that period of time, I kind of quickly burned out or, you know, it only lasted for a semester or so, which either way was really awesome because I did get my workout in and I was still able to manage my day, manage my time, my homework, my studying, my extracurriculars. If you have to write it into your planner like you would write a homework assignment in, do that. If you want to schedule it like you would schedule a group fitness class, do that. Make it a huge commitment that you cannot bail on. Or I've even talked about this before. I sound like such a broken record. Like I have no fresh ideas. I just keep repeating the same things. If you really need some sort of reward system, that's a fabulous idea, whether it be a positive or a negative reward system. Let's say you go to the gym every single day, Monday through Friday, put a dollar in a jar or treat yourself to a giant pizza or something as your reward. Or conversely, every time you make up a silly excuse for not going to the gym, every time you told yourself you were going to go and then you just never went through with the plan, you have to put a dollar into the jar like you're having to pay the consequences, I guess. Find something that almost like speaks to your soul in regards to like you cannot miss this workout or you will be shunned forever, something like that. Allie asks what YouTubers inspired me to start my YouTube channel and expand my platform. I would say I obviously knew I wanted to start a channel for a very long time. So I think over the years, pretty much anybody that I watched probably served as an inspiration to me in one way or another. From a fitness perspective, Whitney Simmons was always a really big inspiration to me. I was super into her YouTube channel and I always thought that her videos were really neat because she did do a lot of fitness content, but then she would also do, you know, lots of Q&As, lots of skincare, lots of beauty. And I thought it was neat that she was able to combine so many different passions. And I think that's something I would love to do myself. Although my only other really big, I guess, quote unquote passion is skincare. I don't really have like too many other hobbies which is that a little bit pathetic? I don't know, but I loved her videos and I think that she was a big inspiration to me. And then just kind of like from a a lifestyle, good college content perspective, I loved uh, Nikki Nasty, Nicole Raffi. I thought that she was so cool. And ironically enough, I don't actually watch much of either of them anymore. And that's not because I don't like their content. I still genuinely appreciate and support them both as creators, but I have sort of realized that I can't watch many people that create videos close to what I want to create or even just people that I'm very much inspired by because I think it goes into my subconscious and then I don't want to accidentally copy their content. I don't want to accidentally, you know, steal an idea that I think is my own because it's manifested in my subconscious as my own idea. That sounds like I'm just absolutely so paranoid about it, but it's kind of true. I mean, there are a lot of creators that make similar content to me and they kind of share their fitness journey, but they're not uploading workouts, you know, something like that. For example, who's a really good one? Um, Kelty O'Connor. I've seen a few of her videos because, you know, they'll pop up on my recommended and I think that she's awesome, but it will get into my head too much to watch her videos. And I know that sounds so silly, but I think it's just best from a creative perspective to not blur those lines because I don't ever want to disrespect her as a creator. I don't want to accidentally 
take an idea of hers as my own. And I think it's just sometimes better to stay in your own lane and to just focus on you and your content and what you love. And of course, you know, you can collaborate with other people and watch other people that make similar content to what you make. Or even, you know, if you're taking this out of a content perspective and applying it to you in your own life, somebody in your job, you know, you can compare yourself to your colleagues and yes, you can take tips from them and and do what maybe they've done that is successful. But at the end of the day, you have your own uniqueness to you that nobody else can replicate. And yes, you can do similar practices. You can try and emulate their videos. But at the end of the day, like you need your own authenticity in anything that you're doing. And for me, I just couldn't separate the two. So I don't unfortunately watch as much content as I wished that I do because I, I'm just like a fan of YouTube. I've always loved YouTube. So I want to support creators and I support them as much as I can without messing with my own mentality. <laughs> okay. Laura asked how my plank challenge is going. It's going great. Uh, the great thing about it is the consistency. I think I've only missed less than a handful of days thus far, which is pretty cool knowing that we're already into February and I've only missed like one or two days. And that's just out of pure forgetfulness. I'm just sometimes a forgetful person. Um, but when I do plank, I try my best to hold it as long as I can. There are some days that are better than others. Like some days I've reached, you know, I guess you could call it like my PR, my personal record for planking. And that's been a little over three and a half minutes, which is absurd to say out loud for me. That just sounds like a fat chunk of time to be in a plank. But f- most days it's about 90 seconds and then I can give myself maybe like a 20 second break and then I'll try and do another minute or so like kind of a burnout or maybe some sort of interval training of sorts for a plank but I'm just proud of myself I suppose that I've kept it up this long and it's been a good goal for me to just do something for a minute every single day and every time I sit there and I I'm on the couch and I don't want to get up I say Taylor it's literally one minute long or you know, you tell yourself it's one minute and then once you're in the plank, you push yourself and then all of a sudden you're doing it for 90 seconds. You're doing it for two minutes, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I always want to push those things off. But when I just start with such a small goal of doing a one minute plank or just doing a daily plank, I think it felt very attainable. And that's maybe why I've been able to stick with it this long. So if you haven't already started on your planking journey and you're interested, my recommendation right now is absolutely through the roof. Chloe, fabulous question. How do you find a balance of eating to nourish your body and eating to nourish your soul? I've been trying to share a lot of this kind of content lately because I eat to nourish my soul all the time, like probably every single day. And to be honest with you, maybe this is something I should talk about in a lot greater of lengths and let me know if that is something that you want me to dedicate a whole episode to. As I've mentioned, I'm not a dietitian, I'm not a nutritionist, but I think something that we can maybe all relate to is just, you know, learning what is, like Chloe said, nourishing for your body and nourishing for your soul and then kind of finding the balance in between. I think something that works really well for me is nourishing my body with foods that I genuinely enjoy. Throughout my fitness journey, I've tried so hard to like foods that I'm just always going to hate. Like if you think about stereotypical healthy food, like maybe uh, people that train for fitness competitions will eat, which is like plain chicken, 
plain broccoli, nothing else. That sounds absolutely horrible. It's like, <laughs> I just, I could never imagine doing that for the rest of my life. And I think that's probably the biggest key right there. I want to eat foods that I enjoy for the rest of my life, not something that is fulfilling a short-term goal. So some people hate spring mix, but I personally love it. I think it's awesome. I add it to pretty much every meal that I have. And that's a really great way for me to get in my greens at every single meal because I put a whole bunch of mixed greens on my plate. I usually just use lemon juice as my dressing, but I'm not a dressing person. That's not even a a health thing. It's just because I prefer lemon juice. I season them a whole bunch. I put on salad supreme, the best seasoning ever, or everything but the bagel. I make it delicious. And then on top of that, you know, you can have your meat, your carb, whatever you're going to have in addition to that. But for me, that's just worked. I've loved having a bit of greens in my diet. It helps me feel like I'm not neglecting the greens because probably I would otherwise. And then my body's pretty happy about it. And on the flip side, I'm never going to be somebody that can give up my favorite, favorite foods. And probably like most people, my favorite, favorite foods are things that are stereotyped as quote unquote bad for you. Like I love cookies. I love ice cream. I love ice cream. Obviously, I love my pretzels. I love soft pretzels. I love hard pretzels. I love cinnamon twist pretzels. I mean, donuts, you name it. Like I'm getting excited to eat all that stuff right now. So when I do have the literal privilege to eat a donut, to have a big scoop of ice cream on a warm waffle cone, oh, it sounds so good. I'm never going to stop myself from enjoying life's greatest pleasures for some aesthetic goal, if that makes sense. And it's hard for me to like put into words without just sounding so cheesy at the same time. But I think for years, I instantly thought if I have a bite of ice cream that I'm going to wake up the next day, all of my progress is going to be lost. And that's just so not the case. And I genuinely would give up any goal that I have to be able to actually enjoy my life and to appreciate the food that I have the privilege of eating and to be grateful for what I'm eating and what's on my plate. And yeah, I'm I'm getting really sappy with it, but it took me a really long time to understand that it's more important to live your life and feed your soul while also nourishing your body. And everybody's balance is going to be different than the next. So what works for me maybe might not work for you. But I mean, there's a reason that this is so talked about. There's a reason that the fitness industry, the nutrition industry is so widely negotiable because it's not one size fits all. And that's kind of the key to it all is that you have to find what works for you. And maybe that's a few weeks of experimentation. Maybe that's finding your own personal balance, but do what makes your heart happy at the end of the day. That's my advice. Uh, Okay. My legs are starting to hurt uh, standing still. I'm Like I mentioned, pretty darn proud of myself that I have been standing for like nearly 45 minutes or so now. That's crazy. The Turkish get-ups are really getting to me. Like I said, I'm going to post a video of that exercise because it makes no sense the way that I described it, but I promise you it's really, really flipping cool. And I highly encourage you to mimic the move, try it out yourself, 
It's awesome. Maybe everybody knows about this move and I was just stuck in a hole. I don't know. But thank you for tuning in to this episode. I hope that you kind of liked this style. Let me know if this is, I don't know, something that you like to hear. Sometimes it's nice with podcasts to switch up the format because I think sometimes, you know, week after week, you can be tired of just hearing the same darn thing. And I always want to be able to provide the most helpful content, things that you're actually interested in. So if you ever have episode suggestions, recommendations, message me on the Twisty Pod Instagram. You can also send in a voice recording to this podcast, which is really darn cool. I believe it's even in the episode description. You just go to my anchor page. It's anchor.fm slash don't get it twisted. Or you can email me, hello at twistypod.com, whatever you prefer. Thank you so much for tuning in. Your time is something that I do not take lightly. I am so beyond thankful that you chose to listen to my podcast. Thank you all. Please give me a beautiful five-star rating if you want to follow me. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Love you all so, 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 so much. And I'll talk to you next week.